0: jimmy jat is undoubtedly one of the foremost pace setters of hip-hop and djing in nigeria with a career spanning over two decades aside his brothers and father he credits alex kondi and yonju adegbite for fueling his passion for djing
1: to be honest with you i you know i got into djing too early so i wasn't even going to parties before i started djing but if you were to say who were the djs that you've heard the names before aside from my brothers Those were the guys, and those were the top guys, yeah. you, know, you know. Alex Condi was from the same neighborhood that I came out from, oh, wow. you know. A so that's like big influence. I see him pass through the street, and I'm like, "That's
0: Alex <laughs> Condi." His popular street party, Roadblock, led to the discovery of numerous talents and the formation of one of Nigeria's record labels.
1: You know, and it was big. You know, and a lot of talents came off that, yeah. and you know, from, from even the second year, we had people. Starting up independent record, record labels, you know, yeah. and signing artists right there and there. Junior and Pretty was like the first signing from there. Oh, and that in so itself cool. changed a lot of things. But Re- Storm Record, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Yeah. Storm Record was formed at, at the roadblock.
0: He talked about the importance of transitions for DJs, the genesis of the jump off, and how to skillfully break an artist as a DJ. All that and more on this episode of the SNC podcast. Welcome to the show, DJ Jack. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's an absolute honor to have you here. Pleasure. To I my appreciate man. <laughs> your patience with everything. So what did you do for the holiday? Work. Work? Yes. Okay. You didn't rest?
1: I mean, it's been like that for four years now. Wow. So So you're used to it? I'm used to it, yeah.
0: You haven't had time to sleep?
1: Uh, not so much. Oh. So
0: are you going to mm. take some time to like... That's why
1: I'm a bit on the... On a break now. Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, which is why I say thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump right into the interview so that like, okay. hopefully we can get some rest. <laughs> so you are a native of Ijabode. Yes. Like Open State. Yes. But you're born and bred in Lagos Island, Lagos in Nigeria. Yes, ma'am. How frequently do you go to Ijabode? Wow. I mean,
1: years back it used to be a bit more frequent, like maybe at least, no matter what, you know, four, or five times a year. Mm-hmm. But now, maybe once in four <laughs> years, if I. Is there a reason why? Yeah, I'm not really. My my parents are late, okay. and they really were the reason. You know, oh, I don't have parents of any form. My grandparents are all gone. My parents are gone. Really, there's not, except for some family members. Mm-hmm. Really, not so. And then, especially because of what I do. Yeah. You know. Period where people gather in the, in the, in the, in the village is when I'm working yeah, Christmas, um, true. Easter, New Year. Yeah. Those periods are busy period for me. Oh. So even when you want to join the family, I'm You're not working. able to do that at yeah. that time. Yeah.
0: So now before you became a DJ, yeah. you started out as a rapper. Yeah, under uh, <laughs> the Monica Master J. Yes, ma'am. But you abandoned rapping because apparently you didn't get a record deal.
1: No, really. Okay. I mean, um it was just a progression, you know, as a kid. All this all this were when I was a teenager. So it wasn't like you were really sure what you wanted, you know, but I of course everybody says you had the talent. So I was more I started out as a breakdancer, mm. so, you know, rapper. Pretty much went around that old hip-hop culture, Mm -hmm. you know, I was an artist, I mean, I'm still an artist in terms of painting and all that, so Mm -hmm. if you want to look at the graffiti part of things as well, I was involved in that, Mm -hmm. even though it wasn't big around here, but the breakdancing at the time was very big, the rapping was, you know, awfully, (laughs) like, you know, we trade the, uh, I mean, verses on the fence around the neighborhood, you understand what I'm saying? And then eventually I got in, my brothers were DJing, and then I got into DJing, yeah. and I got more comfortable with it. Okay. So every other thing, kind of went to sleep.
0: Uh, you kind of jumped ahead of me, because I was about to say, can you drop some bars for us?
1: I wouldn't want to. <laughs> Not <laughs> like I can't, but yeah. I won't want to. Why wouldn't you want to? Because I, I left that part behind. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you talked about your brothers um, being DJs. Yeah. Because um, I wanted to ask that what made you decide to go from rapping to DJ versus being maybe, say, a talent manager or yeah. something else?
1: Um, at the time I got into it, it wasn't even something you think you were going to get into. Mm-hmm. It was more... It was more, you know, passion. It was more... More or less obvious, well, Mm -hmm. you know, so my brothers were not really professional DJs. They never really, they just had music. They had a lot of record collection from their own, my dad and everyone. And they were the guys that people will call and say, I'm having a party. Can you come handle the music? So they were pretty much playing all the neighborhood parties, but not on a professional level. level. I guess I got into it and took it. And then they they had a record shop where they Mm -hmm. sell records and make tapes for people, you know. But um, I eventually joined them and i guess when i joined they felt like they could go on to other things oh, and then left they left that, it for yeah. me yeah
0: uh before i was come, i was preparing to interview you i spoke to my mom that i was going to interview you and she mm-hmm. said that i should ask you if you heard of alex condy yeah. Yon- yeah. yeah yeah those yeah were like the those videos. were you
1: know because <laughs> to be honest with you i You know, I got into DJing too early, so I wasn't even going to parties before I started DJing. But if you were to say who were the DJs that you've heard the names before, aside from my brothers, those were the guys, and those were the top guys, you know. know, Alex Condi was from the same neighborhood that I came out from. You know, so that's like big influence. I see him pass through the street, and I'm like, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing, you know, so... Um, uh, never met him one on one. I saw, I you know, I see him, yeah. but I don't think he would, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, I, uh, I listened to a lot. <laughs> you know, I think it was on radio a while or two oh. at one time yeah, as well. Time. You know, and I, li- I, I mean, I, I was, li- I was pretty much recording him off radio. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah.
0: yeah, she was like, make sure you talk to him about <laughs> that because there's no harm that he hasn't yes. heard of those people. Your dad was also a sound equipment. Yes. Dad. Do you think that maybe subliminal, subliminally that also influenced you? Without, Without a doubt.
1: Without a doubt. I'm always saying I'm a product of what my family made me. Uh, my dad was an importer of electronics, um, You know, pretty much um, one of the major distributors of Sonyo Electronics at that oh, time okay. from Japan. Um, okay. So in, in terms of gadgets and equipment, I have access to it when... Because it's not like now when kids are allowed to touch electronics. Mm -hmm. At that time, it was such a big deal for you to even turn on the TV. Probably so expensive. You understand? Exactly. So for you to be a kid that had access to music, gadgets, and all that, it kind of influenced me in that direction. Mm -hmm. Plus the fact that, you know, I think my dad used to provide music at events as well, sound equipment and all that, Mm -hmm. you know. So it was collecting a lot of records. You know, and my brothers didn't help matters. They started collecting as well. And they have a brother that just sits in the house and doesn't do anything other than even tell them what track is, is big on the record that they brought, mm-hmm. you know, which was me at the time, you know. So, I mean, I guess it was all that dumping of electronics and dumping of music records and all that that led me in this direction, yeah. in the music direction, which w- we were not... So, you, w- you would say it led me in that music direction. I started... Being a break dancer, mm-hmm. being a rapper, yeah. being a, you know, eventually turn, becoming a DJ. A DJ.
0: That, that's really cool. Because I feel like a lot of times as um, children, yeah. it's so interesting how like certain things that your parents do, yeah. when you get older, you yeah. see how those things were very exactly. influential, yeah. even though you didn't yeah. think about it yeah. at the time. Now, you grew up listening to various genres of music, mm-hmm. um, pop, Afro juju, high yeah. life, jazz. Did you have, or do you have a favorite genre?
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, because
0: a DJ. I'm, have I, I always
1: look at myself and say I'm just, a, you know, I'm more hip-hop inclined as a person. Mm-hmm. As a young person, I'm, I was, I mean, like I said, yes. I was a rapper. So yeah. I was more into hip-hop. But of course, I was open to everything. And luckily, I have everyone around me influencing me in terms of different genres of music. My dad was more of the Juju, Sonia Ade, mm-hmm. Ebenezer Zalbe, yeah. Fela Kuti, yeah. James Brown, Artist yeah. um, Redlings, yeah. all those kind of music my dad was collecting, you know, he had uh-huh. all, loads of collection of, yeah. you know, Lando or a lot of people, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. My mom on the other side was more country, you know, Dolly Parton, yeah, awesome. you know, Bongo Zekwe, yeah. yeah. A lot of, you know, just music in that direction Mm -hmm. as well, you know. And then my brother started collecting all the 70s, 80s funk, you know. So when I I I go into the funk as well, Uh, I had the, I mean, uh, Sugar Egg Gang record, which was the the first rap record released, and that changed everything for me. So that's when I started writing rhymes and started you know thinking i was a rapper yeah. as well <laughs> you don't
0: want to drop any bars for us but okay. i'm not going to drop that <laughs> <laughs> so your musical palette is yeah. very very vast it's very vast
1: mind. yeah it's even vast. till now I'm, i mean i'm open to everything mm-hmm. yeah I
0: mean, definitely as a dj yes. you have to be yes open to i'm open to everything yeah.
1: everything even including genres that i don't have any business with mm-hmm. in terms of being a dj yeah you know i listen to a lot of jazz as well yeah i listen to folk songs you know and then I'm I'm that guy that, you know, if you talk music generally, I, I mean I know music before my time. Mm-hmm. I know music of now. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not stuck in any era, so I'm just open to everything.
0: You also became popular as a DJ for hosting a street carnival called Roadblock. Yes. Apparently it was a it was an event which involved lyrical rap battles between upcoming yeah. and underground rappers. Mm-hmm. How did that carnival get put together?
1: That came about um, from being an aspiring rap, I mean, artist Mm -hmm. that never got signed. Because at the time, I, I mean, the environment would say once you try to do anything Western, they feel like you're a wannabe. So the record labels won't even listen to you. Now maybe that explains why I never got signed. Mm -hmm. You know, the record label, if you're rapping, record labels don't listen to you. If you try to sing R&B style. They're not going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. They say, you're just trying to be American. you, you know. So the, the, lib- the, the big record labels were existing there then the at the time. You had Sony Records, yeah. you had all, all the big names, but they weren't signing artists like that. So I felt, you know, coming from that background of not having any platform, when I got some little popularity and fame as a DJ, I started, you know putting up uh, that event mm-hmm. just so you can encourage all the people with that talent to at least have a platform to show what they have to a, a few thousands of people and we used to gather about between six to about ten thousand people on the street at the time mm-hmm. you know and it was big you know and a lot of talents came off that yeah. and you know f- from even the second year we had people starting up independent record record labels, you know, and signing artists right there and there. Juno and Pretty was like the first signing from there. And that in itself changed a lot of things. Storm Record, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Storm Record was formed at, at the roadblock. Oh, wow. You know, because they felt like, look, we must do something with these talents, yeah. and you know, maybe we should start a, an independent record label. And that was the first record, independent record label in the country, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But all those were products of, you know, the of the roadblock. Oh. Yeah, that's so
0: awesome. Yeah. That's really cool great great history now you have come far and long from when apparently i read that you were used to be paid 1,000 naira mm-hmm. for your first dj job that was my
1: that was my first big pay yeah wow yeah to be honest with you it was a bank end of year party uh um, I, I think i had charge about someone right now <laughs> and the guy told me just do a great job well, We make sure you're, you're you know you, your good. yeah and he gave me 1,000 naira i'm yeah. like whoa I went crazy, man. I mean,
0: isn't that amazing and kind of sad DJ? Like, you think about 1,000 naira now, the value.
1: Because if you look at that 1,000 naira now, to think that at that time, an MK2, which is um, the industry standard equipment for DJs, Mm. would cost you 3,000. So that's like a quarter of the money to buy one of that. And that same equipment right now, Probably cost about 200000 Wow. So you might want to say that's like maybe $75,000, 70, 75000 at yeah. that time. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's, wow, that's crazy. That's cool. <laughs> now, I <laughs> guess my question about that is that what would you say kept you going? Um, um, because even though it was a good amount, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. I guess some people may have felt that, you know, they should have been paid more. Mm. So what, what made you say, you know what? this is not maybe what I want at this particular point in time, mm. but I want more.
1: Um, I, I never got into DJing for money. It wasn't, they weren't, I mean, in as much as there were DJs you could look up to at that time in terms of, you know, you love what they do. There were not too many DJs you could look up to in terms of how rich they were, so that's not a driving force. I think then we were more passion-driven. I love this. I love that. I'd like to make people happy and play music for people. You know, so it wasn't. It was never about money at the mm-hmm. beginning. If it was about money, I would I probably spent two days in it. You understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, um, it was more passion-driven at that time. Just that satisfaction that you derive from. These people came in sober and they're living exi- in very excited mode, you know. So, yeah. uh, and that kept, I mean, it kept me going at that time. And don't forget my 1,000 Nara earning. By the time I started earning 2,000 Nara, it wasn't the news. I wasn't, I know there was an headline in a newspaper at one time wow. and that says DJ hence 24,000, <laughs> 24,000 a year. Wow. So it was such a big deal because yeah. I, I think I was one of the first big pay, you know, paying DJ at yeah. the time, you know. So, I mean, it was big money, you know, by any means mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time, you know, because yeah. so, we're talking about late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, you know, mm-hmm. but the money wasn't the driving force. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, eventually it made you look like and say, man, maybe I could just hold on to this, you know, because at the, at the beginning, it wasn't meant to be what you're going to do for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a DJ. Yeah. It's just, okay, in the meantime, in the meantime, And in the meantime, it's still till now. There are certain things in life that you do. The money would come, but you can't get into it for the money. Yeah. You know, if you get into it for the money, you're you're not going to even last five months. Mm. You understand what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Because the first few years might not just kick. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, so.
0: Now, is it safe to say that you would agree that knowing which records would fill the dance floor and which techniques that a DJ I guess it's supposed to use, are critical to the success of a party. Oh, very well. And how do you go about honing those skills and um, developing that ear?
1: Now, uh, what I always tell people is every DJ has access to the same equipment. I mean, there's no preserve of any DJ that says you can't buy this equipment or you can't buy that. So if we have access to all, I mean, we all have access to the same equipment, mm-hmm. we all buy music from the same source we download from the same source we get music everywhere so everybody has the same thing so what makes one dj better than the other it becomes how well you can read the people how well you can understand the crowd how fast you can get into a place and know what works for this kind of people or what works for those kind of people. you understand mm-hmm, what i'm saying mm-hmm. and that comes with um, it comes with how you know intelligent you are mm-hmm. it comes with how experienced you are you know, because people sometimes don't understand that mm. it comes with that comes with a lot of other things, you know, your brain, especially, mm. you know, so I don't know how to explain it. it is yeah. not something you could you can't buy it, but you can you can learn it. Yeah. You can walk, move around with I mean, the luck we had was, you know, DJs will, you used to roll together before. And you can you know learn from each other you know yeah, but these days it's more of an independent thing, you know, and sometimes somebody's you don't ever hear the next DJ play, so you need to be open you know. Because to study, I guess yeah.
0: one one question I have is like, let's say you're a DJ yeah. in Nigeria, and you've been called to DJ at a let's say a different country. Yeah. How would you know what records? To, is it like it boils down to what I just said? Exactly. I mean, for me,
1: is I mean, I've I've been able to pull it. You know, I think experience counts, yeah. no doubt. I think your um, ability to, you know, to read people—that's mm. a psychology, you know, human psychology, yeah. you know. So, and your your style, maybe this is even giving out some information mm-hmm. in terms of okay, if I get into a place, let me quickly go around a, a few style style and see which one really gets those people going, and then focus more on that in terms of. Not doing just that alone, but doing more of that than any other thing. Okay. You know, yeah. I played everywhere. I played in yeah, Asia. Cool. I played in America. I played yeah. in Europe. I played in across Africa, yeah. and I've always moved the crowd. Yeah. That's why I'm, I got, it, that's I'm why more I like that a crowd pleaser. Yeah, so, that's why yeah.
0: I asked that question because it's like I've like I read it. You played here. You played here. Yeah. How, how how were you able to ensure that you know you were keeping the party yeah. working? You know? And then
1: the other thing is always sometimes once you sharpened your own skills or your own style. Mm. You know, be yourself everywhere. Because that's another thing. A lot of times, I, I mean, I've seen DJs from Europe, from America, from elsewhere, come to Nigeria. And sometimes they make that mistake of trying to, you know, what's what's big here? What's the biggest song? What's that style? Or how do people play? Go to the club, listen to some other DJs and try to be mm-hmm. a Nigerian DJ. They don't bring you here to come and be one of yeah. us. You're, they brought you here because you have a style yeah. of your own from where you're coming from. And that's what you're supposed to get in here. As much as possible mm-hmm. and deliver yeah. and it's the same thing with when you take some other Nigerian DJs out to so yeah. some other places they feel like oh I need to quickly yeah. know what they like yeah. how this place works they, they didn't take you from Nigeria all the way to go and be one of the people on ground yeah. you know they brought you there to be that guy that is saw somewhere else yeah. and bring that style yeah. over you know yeah. so you, you need to understand that and most times just be yourself you know but in being yourself understand the people you know but Uh, that i can i can tell you but i can't explain how it works yeah Yeah.
0: and then what would you say on the importance of uh, because i was interviewing the producer focus ramon and he said that he considers himself a baby dj but uh, but he's also learning that in trying to become a dj Mm. transitions are so crucial yes can you speak more about oh very
1: well um I mean, transition for me is the main essence of DJing. It's how you put the music together. Some other person could play the same line of the same playlist and it doesn't work. And then another person comes and walk work with that same playlist and everywhere's going crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's how you put the music together. That's basically the, in terms of transition. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You need to understand how that works. Well, That, I think, is where the strength of a DJ lies. Mm-hmm. A good DJ. Mm-hmm. Some DJs don't understand that. You know uh i think really a producer has a tendency to to, to be a good dj if they want to be mm-hmm. you know and it's always a plus if you're a, pro- mm. if you're a dj producer mm. you know that way you can you know you can really create your own identity yeah yeah
0: now what songs were your party movers in 2017. whoa songs <laughs> that, <laughs> like you can name like five wow. five songs that you you like when well, you guarantee? Whatever, yeah, guarantee. Um, okay,
1: <laughs> I'll probably limit it to the four walls of this country, okay. of Nigeria, yeah. and say, without a doubt, Eve, without a doubt, four. without a doubt, um, Small Doctor and penalty. <laughs> penalty. Towards the end, maybe whoa, and then Maya right now okay. will guarantee to make people dance. That's five. Yeah. But that's not to say those are the five. Yes, no, They're no. They're just yeah. five of, yeah, you know. I guarantee. Yeah, but it's those the, nice. those five will always get people Yeah.
0: Off. yeah. I'm going to tell you a cool story. When I was younger, I wanted to be... In my mind, I thought that, you know, being a DJ would be cool. Yeah. Because my friends would always like, give me like either their iPods or their okay, Walkmans to, to, to play. load them songs. Yeah, exactly. But one thing they always told me was that I know how to, I guess, play good music. Yeah. But the problem is that I always tended to play music that I figure that they should hear. Like, I was trying to always, like, break an artist. But apparently, like, as a DJ, you're supposed to be a crowd pleaser. That's not the place for you to start saying, I want to introduce you. So how do you go about navigating that? Maybe as a DJ, like, you want to introduce people to a different Mm -hmm. artist. But at the same time, you don't want to become boring. But they're like, why are you here?
1: I, I started DJing more as a record breaker you know like i was breaking songs mm-hmm. to people then and then i mean it was the job of a dj to break record mm-hmm. you know at that time yeah. even till now yeah. but it's not primarily you know limited to djs anymore yeah. i mean you can get a song on blogs and mm-hmm. on sites Radio. and all that, you know. So for me, it's essential that I'm breaking music. Mm-hmm. It's essential that I'm letting you understand that this new song that you're yet to get into mm-hmm. is, it's popping. Is, is popping. You understand what I'm saying? And I still derive pleasure from doing that now. Mm-hmm. So, but now, I mean, a lot of times, people know what they want to hear before. So if you deviate from what they want for too long, it's a problem. So I, I my, my own way is I balance it. Okay. You know, I could give you five back to back what you want yeah. and then while, while i have you yeah. going crazy i'll introduce you <laughs> to one two songs yeah. and then get quickly before you feel like oh what's going on here mm-hmm. i'm back to you know the
0: ones you uh, want to you here. know
1: giving you what yeah. you want so it's a you need to balance it as that's, that's the key thing yeah. you know if you don't balance it but some people are not bold enough to experiment some DJs don't even try to break songs. Yeah. They just oh, these are all the eats, I'm just gonna play the eats back to back. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You know. But I think I mean in fairness, if you hear a great song, try and fit it into your playlist okay. see where you can throw it in mm-hmm. nicely. Mm-hmm. Just so you don't you know, because if you throw it in at the wrong place, you're gonna even do more damage to that song so, than yeah. because people are gonna say I heard that song when it was played everybody <laughs> left the floor yeah. and then that kills the song. Yeah. So make sure you throw it in properly. And let people feel like, oh, oh, sometimes people come up to you and say, There was a song you played just some few minutes ago and because they don't know it. And then they ask you, you know, yeah. so you're helping the music that way. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, yeah,
0: I think maybe my problem was that I always just always did my pull all <laughs> of them together like,
1: <laughs> this is what you should I hear. Know.
0: <laughs> like, uh, Auntie, this is not the time I played for that. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you started the Jump Off series. Yes you tell us how the
1: idea came to you? Okay, um, the idea started, you know, there was a time a lot of people wanted me to do TV, mm-hmm. you know. And I didn't want to get on TV presenting music videos. It was kind of overplayed at mm-hmm. the time, you know. So, you know, the technology to, to actually mix videos started about that time. Mm-hmm. So I got into it like, I, did, I think I started the very first video mixed TV show in mm-hmm. Nigeria. So I was looking for a name for the show. And it was going to be called Creep Mix because I was mixing from home. Uh, But uh, I felt like it might just get bigger than me doing it at home uh, someday. So I I changed the name just before we got started to Jimmy's Jump Off. uh, You know, Jump Off because I felt like I could use that for a lot of other things. You know, Jump Off is like saying Jimmy's Rave uh, or Jimmy's Party or something, you know. So we had started a TV show called Jimmy's Jump Off, which was the very first... um, video mix tv show here mm-hmm. and then the program ran for a year mm-hmm. a lot of arguments people were saying i wasn't mixing video that it's not possible to mix videos that i have maybe i had editors listen the videos yeah. on the audio you know yeah. they didn't understand how it worked yeah. and i just wanted to prove to some people life that no i actually do mix the videos mm-hmm. so we had a live show where we did video mixes and was—I mean—the screens all over the place—and yeah. it was very—it was a small event at the vault at the time, but it was highly successful. Wow. So we just felt like we might do that every year, and that's how the live version of the Jimmy's Jump Off or the concerts version of it started. Yeah. yeah, and well, then yeah. The, you know the TV show eventually, which was still going yeah. at mm-hmm, the time. Mm-hmm needed to transit because the technology of mixing video was all over the place and a lot of people mm-hmm. were beginning to do it so yes. what i did was now create segments on the show mm-hmm. and there was a leak the mic segment mm-hmm. which became like the you know the unique selling point mm-hmm. for the for the show which is where you bring um and artists. artists and rappers yeah. to just do to freestyle yeah. you know and that took over everything mm-hmm. you know and that became <laughs> he became the, the you <laughs> the know, that's movie. what people remember yeah, from Jimmy's yeah. Jumbo. Yeah,
0: who was your favorite artist on Lick? That's moment.
1: gonna be tough to say. That's like a father saying, My favorite child, do you <laughs> understand? <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah, most memorable without a doubt will be that on the too. show. No doubt, oh I mean, no doubt, yes. no doubt, because, um, because of the unfortunate thing that happened, yeah. first mm-hmm. of all, and because. It was a great freestyle, mm-hmm, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And note that m- most of those lines eventually made some of his albums, yeah. but they were not, there was no album at the time that mm-hmm. Green did that. And it was, I still remember how that was recorded. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, 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 I mean, it was uh, no doubt awesome. Yeah. I and mean, with due respect to a lot of other great people that have mm-hmm. been on the show, no mm-hmm. doubt.
0: that was was very memorable it has so many lines (laughs) now I think you kind of touched on that in like I guess past conversations that we just um, talked about I wanted to ask why was it important to you that you honed your business and creative acumen as opposed to just saying I want to focus on just being a DJ but you have used your experience Mm -hmm. your brand to develop other platforms for other people to thrive and excel at Mm -hmm. their craft as well why was that important to you? it was
1: important to me because even in getting into DJing there was a lot of um, i wouldn't say opposition but um discouragement you know because i got into djing at the time like i said mm-hmm. it wasn't like you can really do that they were alone. great djs yeah. but you know is this what you're gonna do so for me i felt like i mean i had friends that i did not visit at home because i was a dj wow. their parents would not allow them to talk to me i had people that I had girls that will have to watch their back before they say hi you understand because yeah. the aunties are going to say is it that Bad boy. you know people no just good. so for me i became more determined to make something out of it mm. you know i'm like i'm going to do this and i'm going to you know make mm. something out of it so from the onset it's always been you can't be at the point and be satisfied mm-hmm. you must always you know Look Keep, for the next, yeah, the um, next ground to break, you know. And then I think initially it would be roadblock, you know, that i mm-hmm. a DJ can pull his own event. And the roadblock led do what we do in Lagos now, where you have street carnivals mm-hmm. because there were no street carnivals happening mm-hmm. there. But people wanted me doing that roadblock on their street in their neighborhood, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then they started booking me for different mm-hmm. street jams, yeah. you know. And that's how it spread, you mm-hmm. know. So you look and say, okay, and then you look and say. Two, three artists, people like Daddy Shoki, Daddy Fresh, you know, Junior and Pretty, you know, um, a lot of artists came off roadblock. And then it got to a point you look and say, what's next? What's next? I moved from doing neighborhood parties to doing major concert tours. I was doing tours with a lot of big brands, Mm -hmm. you know, cigarette brands, especially Mm -hmm. at the time and moving around the country. And then you look again and say, what can you do? I, I decide to, you know, start a TV show. I move, you move again and say, what's the next level? You know, I made a record. You understand what I'm saying? So for me, constantly when you do that is to say, oh, you've attracted some young people into this profession. How do you make them? have hope and say okay maybe I can and then they can you know you they will always take it to a bigger level Mm and the next level but at least pave that way you know show them the way to go and say this can be done you know so I'm constantly always looking and saying what's the next thing we can pull Mm -hmm. what's the next thing we can pull you know just so the people that discouraged you or did not encourage you can look back and say oh wow maybe we were wrong after mm-hmm. all and there may be th- of course the young people can always have that open say look let nobody i'm i'm here right now i'm still here since the 80s let nobody tell you this is your hobby and that you can only do it for mm-hmm. a few years yeah. i mean you can always point and say there's a Jimmy Jad who has been doing it for like forever yeah. and is still doing it yeah. you know so that's for me. Is the yeah. key essence, of
0: and t- I guess to take away from that is ensuring that you don't rest on your laurels. Exactly. You always exactly, and about especially
1: world when world. you set up people, young people, and they're doing very well. Mm. First of all, you you must constantly be in that front for them to look up to mm-hmm. you know and you know they chase you and you you get a, you, everybody's better yeah you know uh, so
0: that's really cool and also i think also important is also having a good team around you yes definitely in without vision. a doubt yeah. yeah now when you decide to collaborate with an artist or producer mm-hmm. what is it exactly that you're looking for because you're someone who's you know collaborated yeah. with a lot of I'm, people i've done
1: more collaborations than anybody in the country yep. i've been I've, I've i've done i mean i'm on the third album right now mm-hmm. oh, wow. um for me, I mean, initially it was just create your own material. You know, I'd wanted to, you know, drop a mixtape, but um, the process of clearing rights for all the songs mm-hmm. was so cumbersome because most of the artists were not even signed to a label. Mm-hmm. So you don't even know where to go and clear yeah. rights. So I'm like, okay, maybe we should just create our own materials. You know, that's how the first album came yeah, about. Which and is the, the process of the definition. Yeah. So in working on that, even the process of making it was a lot more than a mixtape project so it, it couldn't be taken as a mixtape it, it became an album and the first song that was actually recorded was recorded not for the album it was recorded as a theme song for jimmy's jump off uh, but i enjoyed that process is the the track is called jump off uh-huh. is on the on the definition album you know, we recorded that, and the process was just so so much fun mm-hmm. that I just felt like I'm just gonna keep recording. Yeah. And before we, before I knew that, I recorded well over hundred artists. Yeah. So I just thought, okay, we'll put out the album. Yeah. And the
0: second yeah. one was the second album was then the industry, industry volume yes, one. Yeah. You said you have a third
1: one. Yeah. The third one was meant to drop in December, but it should drop this first quarter and what of is this year. Industry volume two. Uh, no no it's not. Uh, you know most times I always say volume one. <laughs> I mean definition was volume one as yeah, well. But there won't, uh, obviously there won't be a volume yeah. two industry volume one because then we had recorded more songs than could go on an album i see and we thought okay the the songs that didn't make that part of mm-hmm. the album were going to be released but you know how the marketing of albums work here sometimes it's discouraging so mm-hmm. i mean you're still trying you're still struggling to get the volume one mm-hmm. to really be everywhere Every and it was. takes so long and then by the time you're ready for the volume two, the song guy beats stale. Mm-hmm, you understand what I'm true. saying? Yeah. So volume two doesn't ever come out, yeah. you know? But, you know, I was going to do a double album at the time. I mean, like, make the album a double album. Mm-hmm. But the market would still buy it at the same rate. Mm-hmm. Whether it's double or single, It wasn't. there was no way we could, we would, you know? So, I mean, that's how the second volume didn't make it. Yeah, okay. And, I, I mean, it would be too far... The the volume I mean the definition for instance was two thousand and seven. So, yeah. You know. The well, industry yeah. was two thousand and fourteen. Yeah. It's two thousand and eighteen now. We're gonna bring it volume two <laughs> That's four true. years later. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's a new album completely yeah. and um, it's a different is direction. Name? Yeah. The name of the name. I'm still <laughs> keeping that on the ra- ground. <laughs> we had the title for the album, okay. but um someone released an album lately okay. around here that had the same title. Okay. So I'm thinking we might we might, not like necessarily, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we might just change the title.
0: Okay. Sadly, no exclusive yeah. release by so good. <laughs> 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 now you have an a biography. that you wrote. Mm -hmm. It's called Avant-Garde. Yeah. Can you talk about what was the rationale to do that?
1: It was at the time when I was, um, you know, I was, I mean, I was, uh, people made me to plan a 25th anniversary Mm -hmm. of being in the entertainment industry. Now, note that it's not 25 years of being a DJ. Mm -hmm. It's 25 years of being, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think I've been, at that time, I've been visible or I've been in the conversation mm-hmm. since 1989. Wow. If if you discuss, and I've been DJing before then, okay. really, but in, I've always been in the conversation. If you in 1989, if you say three DJs in Nigeria, I think I will come into the conversation. Mm-hmm. All through the 90s, if you say three DJs in Nigeria, I will be part of the okay. conversation. Yeah. And I think even till now, if you say three DJs in Nigeria, I'm still in the conversation. Okay. You know, so people felt like I should, you know, put something together, and I just reluctantly yeah <laughs> you know because i'm very part i'm a very private person mm-hmm. i'm a very i felt like you know putting, out, but i i mean i kind of was very honest with the book and i you know, put everything out at yeah. that time yeah but uh i've read the book over again i'm like my life is even more than this book you know <laughs> yeah. so but i mean you so know, is yeah it,
0: is there any plans to release another book no no <laughs> <laughs> let me keep some things to myself okay now two more questions before We'll go to the fun random questions okay what keeps you going as you get older
1: um first of all passion for what i do in terms of djing i love what i do i enjoy the fact that you know you can take people from a sad position to the happiest level that's it gives me a joy and i enjoy what i do i also appreciate the fact that people love you for what you do and I, I appreciate people's love so that keeps me going as well the grace of god as well for you to be there people don't last that long i remember a friend of mine telling me in the 90s that look ah, this guy what are you doing are you still around since and that was 1995 96 yeah. so i'm like but the guy died in a plane crash. Mm. so i'm sometimes i'm like if, what if this guy was to still be alive yeah. be wondering oh, yes. you know so Then that's grace of God. Mm -hmm. It's not anything you do, you know. And then the fact that I constantly feel like I need to let young people. Aspire and you know uh, to say I can go on with this, mm-hmm. you know, because there's this person, yeah, you know, and there are people, there are DJs that I still look up to mm-hmm. that are older and they're still doing it, mm-hmm. so I'm like, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, that's,
0: that's cool. Now, finally, based on your wealth of experience, what advice would you give to someone who wants to become a DJ?
1: Um, first of all, find out within yourself if you have what it takes. What it takes is passion, I mean, make people happy while everybody's having fun, you're demanding working. You know, it's not business as usual. If you don't have that, you can't do it. I've seen a lot of people come in and leave. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you don't have that drive within you, you can't do it. It's not enough to say I've learned to mix or I have a lot of music collection. Everybody can do that now. I can teach you how to mix in a few days. I'm willing <laughs> to learn. You can, and then you can have more music than I, because if I give you my music uh, drive, for instance, you have everything I have. Yeah. You understand? So, you, I mean, you can catch up with where I am right mm-hmm. now, but can you catch up with the passion and the drive That's within right. that short time mm-hmm. now? Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So, you need to find out if you really have that and that hunger. You know, can take you to the highest diet. That's
0: good advice. Now we're going to go into the fun random questions. Yes, you ma'am. ready? Yeah, very okay. ready. <laughs> what food do you crave most often?
1: Um Jollof fries, so Nigerian yeah. jollof fries.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah, plantain <laughs> and fish.
0: No, you're, you're Nigeria, not yeah, you're saying
1: Nigerian. Yeah, emphasis on Nigerian jollof. <laughs> <giraffes>. Emphasis <laughs> before some people. What they attack you on Twitter? <laughs> um, no, 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 no. Not even. I know that Nigerian jollof is better than any Are jollof. You There's no other jollof anywhere. Yeah. Let nobody lie to you. <laughs> you understand it truly. Mm-hmm. Note that they call the other Jollof Jollof. Jollof. Uh, it's not Jollof rice. Yeah. Jollof rice is the one I like. Okay. Uh, not
0: <laughs> Good distinction. Now, uh, which one do you prefer? Online shopping or in person shopping? Ooh,
1: in Nigeria, oh, because, uh, Yeah.
0: <laughs> but let's just say, like, you were outside the country. When I'm outside the yeah. country,
1: you know, because one other thing that I do for fun mm. is shopping. Mm. So I like to go and look and see. If it's absolutely necessary, then I order online. Mm. But most times, I like to because I feel like maybe I'm trying to get a microphone, and I know the one I want, but I feel like maybe if I see all the okay. ones, you know, and test them, yeah. I'm still a bit conservative with that. So yeah. I like to move around. Yeah, you're
0: okay. yeah, in, in, more in person, but and not
1: you... uh, online. Not here. Yeah. <laughs> I've ordered things <laughs> online here that when they arrived, I'm like, ah, what is not <laughs> this what is I saw. Same online. thing <laughs> before and after. <laughs> 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 no,
0: um. I guess when you when you go to stores in Nigeria, do you tend to always see a lot of people that want to take pictures? How do you handle oh, that? Oh, definitely,
1: but I really don't go around shopping here. Mm, okay. That's the sad part. Unfortunately, yeah. I can't. You know, there are always eyes on you. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. then sometimes, other times, some people inflate prices once they because, see because well, they yeah. think, "Oh, that's you know." Money you know, yeah, and you know, we don't put price tags on things, yeah, and, yeah. So if it's and then it's they make it sound like oh, ah, because it's you, and, and, yeah, and then you still realize it. that somebody got it from that same Cheaper. store for less than, yeah, you know. So okay. I'm, I'm always sending people out
0: here to get stuff. For mm-hmm. me. Now, which do you do more often? Do you hum or whistle? Mm, yeah, <laughs> you hum more. I really don't whistle, oh, really? Yeah, I can't really. Well. <laughs> Yeah, I see. Uh, that's very I, yeah. I don't even I'm
1: not good at it. <laughs> yeah, so you have yeah. more. Yes, okay. I hum more. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now what do you do if you can't sleep at night? I don't sleep at night. I was about to say. because I, I put the pictures together and I was like, you know, like, this is a dumb question because obviously it's probably working at night, but mm, I still wanted to ask I don't sleep at night. Yeah, wow. Well, what uh, do you do? I'm working. Yeah, it's work. Yeah. I work
1: at night. I'm more I'm more active at night yeah. in terms of dealing with probably responding to mails, mm. you know Creating, i mean dealing with the music you know mm-hmm. taking care of business coming up with ideas proposals and all that yeah. all that kind of thing yeah. you know but i i don't sleep at night yeah i don't Did i sleep the earliest i go to bed on a good day and that's will be maybe i have a flight to catch in the morning it's 4am oh wow
0: yeah and do you feel like because a lot of creative people that i talk to they feel like the night is more quiet yes so because everybody's away it's yeah. just
1: you yeah it's more for me it works yeah a lot of times i have loads of stuff during the day and i leave them leave them leave them i'll tend to it later mm-hmm. and I, then i start working on them at yeah, night yeah 4 wow,
0: that's crazy and, and if it has to
1: be studio stuff night is always better yeah. so, so so even in making the music yeah. night is better
0: and how does your family cope with that? The, the, um, do they worry they, about your health? Uh, I mean, over time they going no, to... No, but not time. like I don't sleep. Yeah,
1: I sleep enough, yeah. but not at the time I'm, people yeah. think you should be sleeping. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Now, final question is: How many days do you think you could last in solitary confinement?
1: I'm always in so <laughs> I'm always in that <laughs> kind of environment, really? you know. Because truth, I like being alone. Oh. As far you know, I I probably. Today, for instance, I probably wouldn't have come out of my room if it wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, as far as there's no hunger, mm. <laughs> and if, you, if you're nice enough to let me have the phone and have my laptop, Yeah, you're good. I could be there for a very long time. Wow. If well, you say days, I say months. Wow. Yes. Yeah. If I don't have, I mean, if... If I can take care of business mm-hmm. from that, yeah. Yeah,
0: you'll be good. Now, what should we expect from you in
1: 2018? 2018, I mean, first, time, first thing, I'm that kind of guy that likes to take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. So I might not be able to say this. Uh, yeah, but things. And in the immediate, I, I mentioned that before, apart from primary assignment, playing parties, playing gigs, mm-hmm. which I've just decided to take a break from, so I mean, the first week and second week of, mm-hmm. the, of the year. I'll get back to that uh, bookings already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm putting out an album, like I said. Hopefully, I don't want to put a date to it yet, but it's ready, you know. I'm I'm working on a lot of other stuff that I don't know if I want to communicate yet. yeah. Yeah, you know. But pretty much those are the initial at least first quarter plan yeah, yeah. and then the second quarter hopefully tours and all those kind okay. of things yeah that's
0: good yeah well dj jim that i am so grateful thank I'm, you so much for doing this i'm glad to have you oh thank yeah. you i'm so Thanks. so grateful thank you for listening to today's episode the podcast is produced by myself and tommy famumi to ensure that you do not miss subsequent episodes you can subscribe to the show on itunes soundcloud stitcher radio mixcloud or wherever you get your podcast. So that's T-H-E-S-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. We are also active on Twitter and Instagram at the same name. Alternatively, I am on Twitter at Shade Nonconform. Till next week, cheers.